Bible, we're going to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is uh, where we're headed. We've been in a series uh, called Welcome to the Big Leagues. Started last week, uh, talked about family essentials, uh, talked about um, some things that we need, things like authentic faith and uh, intentional time. Um, and so we're going to continue on this morning uh, in this series and um, now this kind of a baseball metaphor is what we're going with uh, for the next couple weeks and um, with this idea of welcome to the big leagues, this idea of baseball, um, baseball can be strange and quirky, right? Um, baseball can be superstitious. Baseball players can be superstitious. Anybody you believe that, you know that? How many of you guys are superstitious when it comes to sports, right? You know, there's only maybe certain socks that you can wear. You know, uh, Jim Leland, uh, he was the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, when he was on a winning streak, he would not change his underwear. He would uh, leave on, yeah, that's kind of gross, right? Uh, but it, whatever worked, I mean, you got to keep, you got to do it for the team. And so he took one for the team, and uh, he wore the same underwear wear until that winning streak was broken. And uh, so he didn't wash them or anything. Uh, he wore the same underwear. That was, yes, that's, that's, what, that's the gross part. That's, yeah, there's a lot of gross about that. Sorry, uh, that's what I, I started with. Uh, but anyways, uh, baseball players, uh, managers, uh, they, they can be somewhat superstitious, somewhat quirky. Now, growing up in Georgia, uh, we have uh, had this thing called TBS. Anybody, you watch the Braves on TBS growing up? Yep, I watched the Braves. That was the Braves are always available. I don't, you can't find them anymore. You have to download Bally Sports, and I don't even know what that is. You know, so uh, you can't really watch the Braves hardly anymore. But I used to watch the Braves on on TBS. Um, and there was another channel though that we would get to. It was called WGN, and it was out of Chicago. And they would carry uh, Cubs, the Cubs games. Anybody you watch the Cubs on on WGN? I wasn't a Cubs fan, but it was just it was there. And so uh, I would you know I would watch some of the Braves. I'd watch some of the Cubs. And uh, you know there were some guys from the Cubs that I like, Ryan Sandberg, Mark Grace. Um, those are some that just kind of come to mind that that I enjoyed watching play. But there was one guy in particular that stands out that I saw play for the Cubs. He was a pitcher. And his name was Turk, or is Turk Wendell. Anybody remember Turk Wendell? Anybody remember? Remember Turk Wendell? Yeah, okay. So Turk Wendell. Turk Wendell was crazy superstitious when it came to baseball and just had all these routines. He had all these antics that he would do, and he would do them consistently. Uh, and he did them consistently because he thought it consistently helped his game. And so I just want to share with you some of the, the crazy quirks and strange superstitions that Turk Wendell had. So when an umpire would go to throw the ball back, throw the ball to the pitcher, um, Turk always wanted the umpire to roll it to him to the mound instead of throwing it to him. And if the umpire forgot, he would let the ball hit him in the chest so it would drop to the ground and he would pick it up off the ground. That, or either he would let it go by him and go pick it up. He wouldn't, he wouldn't catch it. Um, that was one of the quirks that Turk Wendell had. Another one of the quirks uh, he had was that at, uh, whenever a, an, a new inning began, uh, Wendell would wave to the center fielder, and he would not start uh, that inning until the center fielder waved back to him, right? So it's kind of like I get this picture in my head like Forrest Gump, you know, <laughs> just kind of waving at him. So he wouldn't start the inning until the center fielder waved back to him. 
Uh, he's just a nice guy like that. Uh, also, at the uh, beginning of each inning, um, he would draw three crosses on the pitcher's mound uh, before he would start the inning. Uh, so he had these these kind of these ticks and these quirks, these things, these routines, this rhythm that he would go through. Uh, whenever the catcher, this is great. I just kind of get this in my head. Whenever the catcher would stand up, he would crouch down. <laughs> so if the catcher stood up, he would crouch down. It's like it's like a seesaw, man. You know, so it's like crazy to watch it. Um, the, another one of the things that he would do is he would eat licorice, black licorice, and so he would brush his teeth between every inning. And this is, this is him, yeah, he's brushing his teeth between every inning, he's brushing his teeth, you know. Um, and so uh, these are quirks. Uh, Turk Wendell also, uh, can you get the next picture? He would have a necklace that he would wear. Now he played for the Mets too later on in his career, uh, but Turk Wendell had this necklace of animal teeth uh, of all the animals that he had killed, he would take a tooth and put it on this necklace. He thought it helped him play better, right? And so he just had these weird, these weird ideas. And the last one, this was the one that just kind of sticks in my head. And actually, I started doing, maybe not this crazy, but uh, Turk Wendell, when he would um, come onto the field or leave the field, he would not just, uh, he wouldn't step on the lines. He would always would jump big jumps over the lines because it was just kind of a thing in his head that, hey, I, I got to jump over that line. And actually kind of after seeing him do that, I started doing that, my, not jumping over the line, but I would kind of like step way over the line so as not to touch the line. I don't know why I did that. You know, my game was horrible. Um, so it's not, it wasn't helping me a bit. But yeah, he had all these quirks that he would, he would do and all these antics uh, that, that would take place. And he did this because he thought it helped him. He thought it, it helped him to be consistent. It was kind of his routine. It was his, um, it was his rhythm, you know. And if, uh, you know, we see people all the time. If you watch baseball, hitters, hitters will have their routines. They will have kind of like they'll have to touch the helmet. They'll touch, you know, the bat. They got, they got these routines, and they'll have to address the plate in some way. I know Nomar garcia Pera, uh, he, he was like that. He had a certain, certain way that he would address the plate. You know, he'd come to it. And uh, some of these guys, they just have to do that, and it gets in their head if they don't. They almost feel like I'm not in my rhythm, I'm not in my timing if I'm not like that. And, and baseball is kind of like that, right? You kind of have to feel like you're in that rhythm. I know I had games where I would, I would play and I just felt off, and I felt like I wasn't in, in a stride, I wasn't in my rhythm, uh, you know, maybe I wasn't hitting where I needed to hit, uh, even to the point of throwing the ball back to, you know, the first baseman if I didn't feel like, I, I was I was kind of in that rhythm, you know, sailing over the first baseman's head. They're way over here, and so I just kind of ha I kind of had to feel it, and I felt off. You would see it in my game, and so that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today is finding that rhythm, um, finding your family rhythm, because I believe each family needs to find their rhythm for them. That there is a rhythm for your family, and there's a rhythm that I think that. Uh, that is important for us to have so that our families can function, so that our kids can grow up uh, in a stable and consistent environment. And so what does a family rhythm look like? And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. And I want us to go to um, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 
and usually I read out of the ESV this morning. I'm going to read out of the message, and this is not really a translation as much as it is as a paraphrase, uh, but I loved how um, it kind of gives you uh, this kind of this, this tone uh, here, and so this is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says, you've all been to the stadium. Now, we're kind of mixing metaphors. Uh, we've been talking about baseball, but Paul is talking about going to the stadium to see uh, people compete in like races and almost like the Olympic Games. This is kind of what he was talking about. He says, you've all been to the stadium and seen athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. And he says, run to win, right? So if you're going to run, don't just run. He said, if you're going to do it, run to win. Run to, to, to win the contest. He goes on. He says, all good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that is gold eternally. And I think that, that really kind of is, is what he's getting at here is, is that, hey, if, if, it's, if it's important enough to be in the game, then, then you know, run that race and run to win. If, it's, if you're playing the game, play to win. I always had people, you know, they tell me, well, we're just playing for fun. You know what was fun? Winning. Winning is fun. Winning is fun, right? I, I have been on a lot of losing teams. I have supported a lot of losing teams. My teams lose all the time. Georgia Tech, they lost out to Tennessee uh, in, in regional uh, baseball play the other day, you know, and that was hard. That was tough. That was tough to swallow, you know, and, and, but, you know, that's, that's part of it. But, but I like winning, and, and when we win, it's fun, you know, and so that's kind of what Paul is saying. He's like, listen, don't just be in the race to run the race. He's like, be in the race to win the race. Uh, if you're going to be in the game, be in the game to win the game. And so what does that look like? Uh, Paul is encouraging us to win. And what is a winning strategy? What is a winning strategy for our families? And the first thing I think that we have to really kind of talk about, and it, it, this is, there, there's probably, uh, it's probably a, more than just this one thing, I believe, but this is one of the elements that we need to have a winning strategy for our family is consistency in our homes. Consistency in our homes. Um, and if you look at creation, if you look how God has created this earth and the universe and the planets and the solar system and everything, it, it works in a certain pattern, right? There's a certain predictability that we have. We, we know that we can predict when the sun's going to come up, right? We can predict when the sun's going to go down. We know this. We can, we can predict the tides. We have, there's, this, there's this rhythm that is in creation. Uh, we know that um, the planet, as, as, as we, we go around the sun, a trip around the sun, what is, is, it's a year, right? And so we understand that there are certain things that God has created, certain ways that God has created the cosmos for it to work in a predictable pattern in, in a sense. Now, there's a lot of things that's unpredictable. There, the weather can be somewhat unpredictable, right? Somebody uh, told me once when I was in Colorado, they said, if you don't like the weather, they said, wait a minute, it'll be different, right? Uh, and so, you know, it's like maybe the weather is unpredictable. There's a lot of things in life that are predictable and that we can see. It's like, yeah, that we, we understand that we know that uh, the sun goes down, the sun's going to come up. Um, I, this is uh, what Reggie Joyner says in a book that he wrote for on parenting. He says, the cosmos works together like gears on a clock. And if we study it, we can evaluate and predict how things grow, change, and age, right? We understand there's a prediction that we can make on how, how we grow, how we change, and how we age. And I thought about this earlier. I thought, you know, if you go sit on Tybee Beach, 
uh, on the beach at Tybee, and you just do it every day, sitting out there in the sun, and you're just baking away. Sooner or later, you're going to be leathery, right? Right? <laughs> that's kind of how that works. Uh, that's, 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 we understand. We can predict that. Uh, if, if you go and you spend, you know, every day at the Golden Corral Buffet, right, and you're just eating all, all you want, sooner or later you're going to be a very large person and probably very unhealthy. Uh, we understand that's how that works. Uh, there's a prediction that we can, we can make there. And so this life, and there's certain things in this life that, that we can't predict, and there's a consistency. And what he's saying is, listen, um, we need this consistency. If God has set up creation to have consistency in it and there's predictability to it, um, our homes need to also reflect that, that there needs to be consistency in our homes. So what is the consistency that we need in our homes? Um, the first thing that I want you, want you to get is this, that consistency creates a family rhythm. Consistency creates a family rhythm, right? And, and each family has its own rhythm. For a lot of you guys, summer is a time to kind of you slow down a little bit. Maybe you're relaxing. You're taking vacations. You know, you're, you're, you're not doing maybe a ton of stuff. Uh, maybe you're going here and there, but uh, maybe it's not as busy as when the kids are in school. Um, maybe it gets busier for me and my family. It gets busier. It gets busier. When summer hits, there is no downtime for us. I am literally gone every other week this summer. I was gone last week. I am here this week. I am gone the next week. I'll be here one week. I'll be gone the next week. And so for the next two months, that's what my life looks like because we have youth camps that start up. And, and, and part of, of uh, what I do is I, I support that. I am uh, I'm a product of youth camp, and I am a proponent of youth camp. I think youth camp is great. Um, you know, and so I want your kids to go to youth camp. I want your kids to be part of that. And, and so now that I'm too old to be a camper, I'm making sure that I'm going to work and make sure the camp is, is, a, is a great place for kids to come to know Jesus and come to have a great time uh, during the summer and, and make new relationships. And so that's important to me. Uh, and, but that's part of our family rhythm is that's what it looks like um, for us. So consistency creates a family rhythm, and every family may be different. Um, when there's a rhythm in the family, it helps to develop anticipation and expectations. So I can anticipate what something's going to look like. I can anticipate. I know for me and my family, we know that things get ramped up during the summer. So I'm anticipating that. I'm expecting that. And we plan for that. We know. And so when there's predictability and there's consistency in your family rhythm, there are things that you can expect and there's some things that you can anticipate. Now, when I was in college, I worked at this, um, I worked a bunch of different jobs. I even worked at Bath and Body Works. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I did not sell the lotions. I was the guy in the back room stocking the, the boxes, and the, the, the girls would come back there to get the lotions and stuff. I'd pick the box up, like, hello, ladies. <laughs> put, you know, put it on the shelf, you know. And uh, the, my manager comes. She says, Ryan, I want you to help us out on the floor. She's got, I've got this denim apron you can wear. It's like, nope, that ain't me. <laughs> that ain't me. I quit, right? So I went and found another job. I started cooking chicken. Um, you know, so uh, I had a lot of jobs in college, and most of them were fast food jobs. But I did. I thought I'd hit the jackpot. There was this job opening where I could go work in a men's suit shop. And this was a big deal for me because I, I had to put on a tie, you know, put on a, a sport coat. And I came in. I thought, man, this is going to be great. It was horrible. It was one of the worst jobs I ever had because the manager was unpredictable, um, 
there was, it, it was just like you would come in one day and he was great. It was like a great big family. We're hugging each other. We're high-fiving, you know. It's just awesome, man. This is amazing. The next day you would walk in and it was like walking on eggshells and everybody's just on the verge of being fired. And it's like, dude, I, I can't do this. I mean, anybody ever worked in a hostile work environment? You know, you know that is not fun. Uh, that is not fun when you're, where you're just having to deal uh, with things like that. And so that, that being unpredictable, I did not do well with that. See, every one of us in here, we all like predictability. Because when something is chaotic and something is, is kind of comes at us and there's just all this stuff that maybe we didn't expect, you know what we do? We retreat to places that are safe for us and we retreat to people who are familiar to us. If, if I deal with something and, and it's like maybe it's, most of the time it may be for you, it may be at work. And what do you want to do? You're just like, I just can't wait to clock out so I can go where? Home. I just want to go home because home is my sanctuary. Home is where I, I shut the door. I don't, I'm not answering the phone. I just, I just want to go home. See, there, there are places that you go because those are the places that you know the rhythm. It's predictable and it feels a certain way. There, it works the same way with people, that when you come up against someone and they're just kind of unpredictable and you don't know what's going on, you don't know what you're going to get, you push back from that and you retreat and you, what do you do? You seek out people who are familiar to you. You seek out faces who, you know what, they love me regardless. I know that they got to love me. You know, they, they, they're, 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 that's why they were created. Mom and dad, they were created just to love me, right? And so we retreat to places um, that, that are safe. We retreat to faces that are familiar because we want that rhythm of predictability and consistency. And we need consistency. Consistency creates a family rhythm. Family rhythms help to improve family sanity. Come on, somebody. I'm going to say that one more time. Family rhythms help to improve family sanity. Anybody, have you ever lived in a crazy time and it was just like it just seemed like things were just all over the place and you wanted to kind of get back into the swing of just the rhythm of life and the routine because it helps your family sanity, right? And so, so we see that. Galatians 6 and 9. Can you put that up there for me? Galatians 6 and 9. That's what it says. And this is out of the ESV. It says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Don't quit. Don't give up. There are times, parents, parenting is hard, right? Parenting can be difficult. Parenting can be absolutely brutal because these kids that you bring in, sometimes they act in certain ways. You're just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Where did you come from? You know, <laughs> you, I did I don't get it, you know, and so, and so you know, it's just this, this thing of, oh, man, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I'm tired of, of, of having to deal with this. I'm tired of having to meet this challenge. I'm having, tired. But, but Paul is saying, don't grow weary in doing good. In due season, you will reap if, if you've been putting in and, and, and just being consistent and saying, God, I give you this, uh, this you're, I'm showing where you're living in our home, living in our life, and, and we just reflect that in our family life. Don't give up. Consistency communicates family values. Consistency communicates family values. Um, what's important to you in your family? 
What are your family values? What are those things that, that really uh, is important to you? Consistency communicates your family values. What gets rewarded gets repeated. And what gets repeated becomes rooted. See, this is, it makes me think of the, the, the scripture, uh, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it, right? And we always think about that all then. We think about that in the good terms of it, you know, train up a child in the way. If you train a child in the way they shouldn't go, when they're old, they won't depart from it, right? Why? Because you were consistently bad in, in setting that example, right? Uh, and, and so this, what gets rewarded? If you reward bad behavior, you know what you're going to get? Bad behavior repeated, right? That bad behavior is just going to get repeated. And so what gets repeated actually gets rooted. Uh, it becomes part of the fabric. And so uh, it's, it's important for us to say, hey, this is not who we are. This is not what we do. I am not going to let you do that. And sometimes you have to say no. We talked about that last week, being that person that says no. Or being a person that says, yes, this is what life looks like for us. And, no, that's not what our family's going to, that's not what our home's going to look like. That's not what our family's going to do. We don't participate in those kind of things. We don't do those kind of things. This is what our family's going to reflect. And so what gets rewarded gets repeated, and what gets repeated becomes rooted. Mark Batterson is a pastor in Washington, D.C. He wrote a book called Do It for a Day. Um, good book. I encourage you to check it out. And this is what he said in that book. He said, if you do little things like they're big things, God has a way of doing big things like they're little things. See, there are things that in life that just means that, hey, we're going to do this. This is part of coming to church. This is part of our life. This is part of who we are. Um, and, and you know what? I, I, my kids, I didn't, I didn't look at them when they were six, seven-year-old and say, Hey, do you guys want to go to church today? You know, I said, get in the car. <laughs> right? Actually, we lived right there, so I, so I just pushed them out the door. I said, we're going, we're going across the yard. We're going to church, right? Uh, I, I did. There's certain things. It wasn't up for a vote. There are certain things I wasn't asking them. How do you feel about this, baby? You know, I was like, I don't care how you feel about this. You are going with me. You're going to church. You may not get. To, you may not have to sing the song. You know what? But you are coming with me. And and so there are certain things that's just not up for debate. And it's those little things that that we're trying to be consistent with. Raina is is a teacher, and um, and so early on she was kind of teaching me. She's like, listen, we've got to be if we want our kids. To, to be uh, well-read, if we want them to be literate, you know, we got to read to them, and we've got to read stories and have them read to us, and so that was one thing that we did when they were little. We would, every night, we would read a book, and we would pray with them, and so those are things that we just, and, and so we see that. Those are the little things that we've seen the investment in, but I think that we, we get that back when God says, hey, you're, you're putting in those small things. It seems like it's just little. It's that investment of time. It's that investment of effort. It's that work that you're putting in. It may seem small, but I believe that God can take back and he can do big things with that. And so we all know how investment works. It doesn't happen overnight. It's those small incremental time, that small incremental investment of, of effort and, and putting in. Consistency communicates your family values. Ask yourself, what's important to my family? Now ask yourself, how is that being communicated in your family? If it's not being communicated in your family, it's not important in your family. What's important in your family is what gets communicated in your family. 
So when you're consistent with it, whatever that is, whatever you're consistent with, that's what's important to you. And you say, well, God's important to us. Is he? If we looked at it, if you look at it, can you see the consistency of, of that being reflected in your parenting, in your home? If not, it, it's, it's not important. And so, so what you have to do is you have to be consistent with the things that say, hey, this is important. And so consistency communicates your family values. And the last thing is this. Pastor Trent, you can come play. Consistency clarifies the win. Can you bring me that trophy? Thank you, son. Um, this trophy, I had to dig this trophy out. Anybody got trophies like this? Anybody? You know, it's like, man, you know, these, these trophies you get as a kid, and it's like, Mom, why did you hang on to that stuff, right? Um, but uh, these trophies, uh, I had a bunch of these and um, played baseball, played uh, sports, basketball. I wasn't very good in football. I was too, always, always too little for football. Um, so, you know, I, pl- I played other sports and, um, you know, I found this, this old trophies in the bottom of a box. And I remember this season that uh, we won our softball league. And uh, they gave us this trophy, and it was like, great, man, well, it's awesome. You know, we, we're winners. You know, we won. Um, but you start looking at this trophy, and you think, you know, and you look at and, and you ask yourself, you know, consistency clarifies the win. What's the win? What's the win for your family? What's the win for you? And when you think about having to clarify the win, what you have to do is you have to go all the way to the end. You have to go all the way to the end. And you have to ask yourself, at the end of my life, what's the win for me? See, I promise you, when I'm on my deathbed and I look at Raina, I say, hey, bring me that trophy from 2003. I just want to relive that softball season one more time. That will not be the words that I am saying to her. I pray to God it's not. If not, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, that that will not. That's not going to be me. I'm not going to be looking for my old trophies and say I just want to relive that moment one more time. You know what I'm going to be asking? Where are my sons? And not just where are my sons? Where are my sons with the Father? Where are my sons in their relationship with Jesus? You know what is extremely important to me and the most important thing to me is that I model that relationship to Jesus in front of them because the most important thing for me for them is that they would have a relationship with Jesus. I don't care what trophies we get and what things, what medals we get, all that stuff. Remember, let's go back to that scripture that we started with. Can we read that again? That 1 Corinthians scripture? What did it say? It says, you've all been in the stadium. You've seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard, and they do it for a gold medal. Woohoo! That tarnishes and fades. You know what this? If you looked at this really close, this thing's dirty. It's got rust on it. Why? Because I haven't taken care of it. This is not precious, valuable to me. This is just a memory of something. That's great. It's awesome. We want a softball season. What is precious and valuable to me are the two boys that live in my house. My wife that lives with me and that shares the home with me. That's precious and valuable to me. And at the end of my life, when I get to that point, man, I just want to know where you have Jesus. That's the win for me. Consistency clarifies the win.
they've heard me say this for a long time, and they're going to continue to hear me say it. Boys, the most important thing I want for you is Jesus in your life. The most important thing I want for you, I want you to be, I want you to be a, a person who grows up to have character and integrity. I'd love for you to make a billion dollars. That'd be awesome. But more important than that, you can have all the money in the world and not have Jesus. for me, clarifying the win, being consistent in that, is that you have a relationship with Jesus. Because that is what it says. You're after one that's gold eternally. You can't, that won't rust. It's not going to tarnish. It's not going to fade. Nobody can ever take that away from you. So stand with me. What does that look like in your family? Family rhythm. What is your family rhythm? Is the family rhythm a little bit offbeat? You know, maybe that's your family, right? right? And you say, man, our family rhythm has is, is not been consistent. The great news is this. There's hope. This is not a guilt trip sermon. I, I, guilt trips don't help anybody. It just makes us feel bad. And today, it's not my goal is to make you feel bad. We do a great job of doing that on our own. That's not my goal. My goal today is to give you hope. That wherever you're at in this journey, if your kids are babies, you know, Dustin and Jen, I got this like oh, baby with them. That's awesome. You know, we look at us like, man, we love this this child, and we want to model in, in front of them. But maybe you say, well, my kids aren't babies anymore. Then start today. Start today. Start modeling that today, and just say, all right, this is hey, this is what we're gonna do. This is what our family rhythm is going to look like, and we're gonna be consistent. Sometimes it's the hard work of here.